I'm David Alexander, joined by host Tony Kalinowski. Welcome to the Retirement Insiders, where we'll share key insights today for your retirement journey. I'm excited to welcome Tom Marginal to the Retirement Insiders to talk about insights on a critical topic that's top of mind for most retirees. Tom worked for 32 years in a variety of positions for the Social Security Administration before retiring in 2005. For many years, he was the director of the Social Security Administration's Public Information Office at the agency's headquarters in Baltimore, Maryland. In that role, he was the chief editor for more than 100 informational publications produced by the Social Security Administration. He also was the deputy press officer for several years, serving in that position as a chief spokesperson for the Social Security Administration. Prior to that, he was a speechwriter for the commissioner of the Social Security. He has written the Social Security and You column for national syndication since 1997. He's also the author of Social Security, Simple and Smart, 10 Easy to Understand Fact Sheets that will answer all your questions about Social Security and Social Security 100 Myths and 100 Facts. You can get either book for less than 10 bucks at Amazon.com. On the personal side, he has a loving wife, two kids, and five grandchildren. He's even authored a children's book, A House Made Out of Shells. Tom, welcome to the show. Gosh, I sound pretty impressive. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> you are. You are indeed, my friend. We uh, appreciate you giving us a little bit of your time sure. and expertise. Um, we always start off with the fun question. We, we read the bio, but uh, beyond the bio, I'm curious, what was your first job? Well, my very first job as a little kid was uh, delivering uh, newspapers door to door as Many kids like me did in the in the 1950s, but uh, but uh, I was thinking last night I, uh, about another jo early job. I worked in a gas station uh, back before the, everything was self, uh, you know, pump it yourself kind of thing. Uh, I was a kid, a 16 year old kid working in a gas station, and here's the interesting twist to that. One day I'm pumping gas, and a guy comes in, and it was a guy I knew because he was the father of of another guy that worked, a friend of mine who worked at the gas station. And I said, hey, Mr. Davies, how's it going? And he said, oh, great. what you doing, Mr. Davies? And he said, well, Tom, I'm the manager of the local social security office and I'm on my way to deliver a speech about social security. And I remember saying, oh my gosh, how could you do that? How can you talk about such a complicated subject? And he pointed out to me, he said, Tom, you know, obviously you can't talk about social security. I was a 16 year old kid, but I bet if you, if somebody asked you to give a speech about pumping gas, you could do it. And, and I said, yeah, I guess I could. And that kind of always stuck with me. And, and I mean, little did I know that someday I would be a social security manager and my job would be giving speeches about social security. That was, wasn't that kind of odd? That, yeah. that, that, a, that a foreshadowing, foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah, very ironic. Was. Yes. <laughs> Well, and let's let's talk a little bit about. Obviously, you've had a long-standing career at at SSA. Talk talk to us a little bit about how you got into uh, working uh, at the Social Security Administration. What was that story? Well, I uh, got out of college and took a civil service test. Uh, I don't know if they still have those things, but but uh, 40, 50 years ago, that's how you got a job with the government. Is you took this uh, thing called the civil service exam and. 
And after I took the exam, I started getting letters from various uh, government agencies. I got one from the Internal Revenue Service, went for an interview. I didn't like them. They didn't like me. And uh, went for an interview with the Federal Aviation Administration. And once again, we didn't click. And, and I got a couple more such letters. And I, and I went for interviews and nothing happened. And then eventually I got a letter from the Social Security Administration and I threw it away. And uh, uh, so, I, cause I thought, oh, I'm gonna go do something else. I guess I'll never get a job with the government. But a couple of days later, the manager of the Springfield, Illinois Social Security office, they're the people that sent me the letter. He called me up and he said, Tom, I'm from Wisconsin. I, I was living in Wisconsin at the time. Uh, he said, I'm from Wisconsin. I like Wisconsin people. Uh, didn't you get that letter we sent? And, and I lied through my teeth and said, uh, what letter? Uh, 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 darn post office, I can't do anything right. <laughs> Your first <I'm>, speech. <laughs> anyway, long story short, he said, we're sending you another letter and we want you to come in for an interview. And one thing led to another and pretty soon I'm working at the Social Security office in Springfield, Illinois, or, or actually they sent me down to Litchfield, Illinois, which is a little branch office they were opening up. So that's how my career started. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting story. I appreciate you sharing that with us. And you know, it's interesting, Tom, because I I'm I've been reading your column probably for the last three or four years. And every time I read it, even though you know I feel like I'm pretty well versed on social security, I learned something that I didn't know before. So I really appreciate your being on the show. How did you acquire so much wisdom about the social security process? Well, for the first, oh, 10 years of my career, 10, maybe even 15 years of my career, I was what's called a claims representative. And that's the person who sits in the local office taking Social Security claims from people. And uh, I guess I was just sort of naturally inquisitive about the rules and stuff because I always wanted to kind of find out like, well, okay, the law says such and such, but why does the law say such and such? You know, why are the laws the way they are? So I started doing research into that kind of just on my own. And I, I eventually kind of became an expert in the rationale behind various social security laws. And, and way down the road, the agency had me running around to various uh, training sessions, teaching social security employees the rationale behind many different laws. And so, but, but a big part of it was this grounding I had as what's called a claims representative where I was just helping people uh, file their claims for various kinds of social security benefits. And, and even though you're not with the social security administration anymore, you're still, you, you mentioned, I think that you're still able to kind of do research if you have to. Is that right? Yeah, uh, because I write this column. Uh, well, let me back up a little bit. I have a lot of retired friends, Social Security friends who, like me, I retired back in 2005. And a lot of them, I know a lot of people who retired about the same time. And they've kind of forgotten all this stuff because they're not doing it anymore. But, but because I write this column, I have to stay on top of Social Security rules and regulations. And I do that. Well, part of it is, Frankly, the laws don't change all that much. People are always saying, oh, government rules are changing all the time. Well, Social Security rules have don't really change all that much. Uh, the same rules I was taught back in 
2003 when I started working for Social Security. A lot of those still apply today. So, so again, a lot of that is just in my head because I remember it. But then uh, I also do research. I, I go to various sources of information that both the Social Security Administration provides or that, of course, nowadays with the internet, you can find all kinds of information on the internet. Uh, of course, people have to be careful because not all that information is 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 good and solid. But but actually, if they if they if you tend to deal with the Social Security Administration website, and you're going to learn a lot about the uh, about the program. Yep. And and uh, just for some foundational uh, work for some of our listeners, can you talk about some of the basics on how Social Security is calculated for an individual? What what goes into that calculation? Because I I can imagine that everybody always thinks that they probably should be getting more than they get, but tell, tell us a little bit about how, how that's calculated. Yeah, <laughs> let me amplify that point you just made. I probably get a dozen emails a week from people saying, I don't think I'm getting enough. You know, I'm, I, I'm sure my benefit's been miscalculated. I've, again, I've been doing this 50 years. Not once in 50 years has anybody ever come up to me and said, I think I'm getting too much. <laughs> I guess it's just human nature, you know. Yep. But uh, anyway, though, a benefit is based on a person's highest 35 years of earnings. So, you know, a lot of people think it's, have, or I've heard stories that it's based on your high three years or your last five years or your best 10 years. There's all kinds of stories out there. But it's actually a percentage of your, essentially almost your lifetime earnings. It's your highest 35 years. Now they take those 35 years of earnings and they index them for inflation. So another, essentially what they do is they pull out your highest 35 years, index those years for inflation, uh, add it all up. That gives you some kind of grand total. And then you divide that by 420, which is the number of months in 35 years. And what you come up with is an average inflation index monthly wage for that person. And then the Social Security benefit is a percentage of that. For, for most of us, it's like about a four, you get about 40% of your average index monthly wage. You get that back in the form of a Social Security check. I see. And so, so that index number is a number that the Social Security Administration keeps. We really never see that real number anywhere, do we? Well, you can you can find it online. It's it's there. Uh, you can just just go to the Social Security website, and there's things about how is my retirement benefit figured, and so on. And in that, they have these indexing factors. Uh, so that they're different for every year of birth. Like I'm born in 1949, so there's one set of indexing factors for me. If you're born in 1950, there's a slightly different set of indexing factors. Uh, so anyway, though, but those factors are, are there online. It's frankly, it's almost impossible for a person to sit at home and calculate their Social Security benefit because you need to know. Well, first of all, you need to know your highest 35 years of earnings. You need to know these indexing factors. And then you need to know the formula that goes into this percentage. I said a person gets back about 40 percent. Uh, well, that's one of the social parts of Social Security that uh, a poor person, well, here, let me back up. The, the, one of the main points of Social Security is that uh, or one of the social goals of Social Security, and this is important that people understand, the word social in Social Security means something, you know, right? 
the word's not just there because it sounds good next to the word security. It's a social program. And one of the social goals of social security is to raise the standard of living of workers in retirement. And the way they do that is with this formula that gives us average people sort of a 40% rate of return, but a poor person who's had low wages his or her whole life, they could get up to 90% of their average wage back in the form of a social security check. Now, you know, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, they're going to get uh, 2% or something, you know, we get 40%. Uh, these real poor people get up to 90%. So anyway, that's part of the social security formula is this uh, social stuff built into the system. I see. And and I seem to recall over the last decade or so that I was getting a social security statement in the mail, but I don't get those anymore. What what happened there? Well, they the they used yeah, the law used to say you get one every year. But the social security people did some kind of study. I'm not sure how they did it, but they did it and they learned that most people are throwing it away. And yeah, I know guys like you, financial planner types, uh, would think that that's the dumbest thing you could possibly do. You know, you should be using that to make plans for your future. But again, we just learned that the vast majority of Americans were throwing it away. So I guess Congress said, what are we wasting money? Because it, it costs quite, you know, sending these statements, preparing the statements, and then sending them to every person in the country costs an arm and a leg. And and so they finally decided we just can't do this anymore. And now they send them out every five years. I, I believe every five yeah. years you should get one of these statements. Usually I just direct people to go to ssa.gov and set up an account and look. Yeah, look you can do it that way too. Statement. Right. right. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for that. And then uh, how, you know, everybody over the last few years, we haven't had a lot of inflation benefits or, or our benefit hasn't increased a lot. How, uh, how does that affect it? How does inflation come into play? Well, uh, for the first like 40 years of the program, people didn't get annual cost of living raises. Uh, mm. They just got a raise if Congress felt like, hey, we should give some people on Social Security a raise. And, you know, so once maybe every 10 years or so, there'd be a slight boost in Social Security checks. But back in the 70s, they passed a law saying we're going to tie the Social Security benefit to the uh, consumer price index. So the the sort of the official uh, inflation measuring index the government uses. And so ever since then, ever since the 70s, uh, people have gotten an automatic cost of living raise every year that's tied to this cost of living index. Now I'll tell you this, I every year people get these cost of living raises and every single year people send me emails saying, uh, I didn't get enough. Not, not that it was calculating correctly, but they think the, like last year, I think the raise might have been 6%, 7%, let's say, I can't remember exactly. But I'd get emails from people saying, I should be getting 10%. You know, we senior citizens have a much higher inflation rate than the government thinks we have. And all I tell them is every single study I've ever seen by economists who are way smarter than I am about this stuff, they actually say the Social Security inflation formula is a little too generous, believe it or not. Mm. And that's why some of the proposals for Social Security reform call for reducing the, the cost of living increase that people get. Now, I, again, if I could tell you from my, from my readers anyway, not a single senior citizen believes that. 
but the economists tend to say the the, the formula is a little too generous and and ought to be cut in the future. Mm, yeah, well, the people who are spending the money probably don't feel that way. You're exactly right. People getting the checks. Um, one of the biggest questions I get, Tom, is, uh, you know, when should I start to take my Social Security benefit? Should I take it at 62? Should I wait till 65? Should I wait till 70? What's your philosophy about that? In one respect, my philosophy is talk to guys like you. I, I explain to them, you know, I'm just an old retired Social Security guy. I'm not a financial planner. Uh, you know, I can explain Social Security rules to you. But then you got to decide what to do, and, and maybe you should do that in consultation with a, a good financial planner. But what I do tell them is, uh, you know, if you wait till 70, you're going to get this much higher benefit. Well, not much higher, a 30% higher benefit than if you take it at your full retirement age. If you take it at 62, you're going to get about a 20, 25. Uh, actually, it's pushing its way now up to a 30% reduction in your benefit. But uh, I, I think I've heard you guys talk about that, you know, do you need money is essentially what it comes down to. And if you need money, maybe you might want to think about taking your benefits a little early. I, I point out to people, I took my benefits at 62, which guys like you would say that might not have been the smartest thing I ever did. But in my case, I had another pension. I had my government pension and my kind of little social security check was just it wasn't exactly gravy to me it, it's a, a a good part of my uh, financial picture but still I, I was able to take it at 62 and uh my wife and i both took our benefits at 62 and we were perfectly happy but i i think most people nowadays are encouraged to maybe wait at least until your full retirement age to collect your benefits and and if you can wait all the way till 70 go for it but, uh, you know, just think about your health. You know, if you come from a long line of people who don't live long, I, I pointed out before to lots of people that my dad died when he was 47. I don't have anybody on my dad's side, any uncles or anything who lived up to the age of 60. So, so I didn't inherit the best of genes. And if so, if there's people like that out there, they might want to think about taking early benefits because they might not just live long enough to to come out ahead of the game if, if they wait until uh, 70 to collect their checks. That's a great point, because I do mention that a lot. I always ask uh, the, the husband and wife, you know, how long did your parents live? How long did your grandparents live? And if they have lived a long time, you know, I try to encourage them to wait until later in life, 60, between 65 and 70 to take their social security, because they'll really, they'll probably uh, kind of get a better long uh, amount of money to live on. Uh, and let me make this quick point. I hear from a lot of guys who are saying, I'm trying to get my wife the highest widow's benefit she can get once I'm gone. Because the way things normally play out is the guy tends to live, uh, the woman, the wife tends to live longer than the husband. And also the guy tends to have a higher social security benefit than his wife does. She stayed home to raise a family or things like that. And there's a reason why she doesn't get as big a social security check as her husband. So anyway, he's he's saying, I want to get my wife the biggest social security widow's benefit I can get. What should I do? And in that case, then this the answer is wait till 70, because a widow does get this full augmented social security benefit uh, that a wife, by the way, a wife does not get that benefit. A, a wife gets a percentage. A wife of a living husband gets a percentage of the guy's 
full retirement age benefit, but a widow gets the full benefit uh, with any augmented benefits he gets for waiting uh, uh, past his full retirement age. And then on the flip side of that, if you take it early, how does the widow fare if the husband dies early? Yeah, if if he takes a reduced benefit, she's going to get a reduced widow's benefit. So yeah, that's definitely something you got to think about. Right, right. Okay, thanks. We're going to take a quick message break, but when we come back, I want to talk about how an individual secures the maximum monthly social security benefit. Retirement is a time to pursue your dearest passions, live with purpose, and make an impact. Financial health is a crucial building block to achieve those goals, and the host, Tony Kalinowski, can help. For 40 years, RBF Wealth Advisors has helped families maximize their retirement resources through sound financial planning and investment management. If this show resonates with you, reach out to Tony today. Call RBF at 314-997-1652 and schedule a time to visit. Well, earlier this year, uh, there was an article in USA Today titled, Three Steps to Claiming the Maximum $4,555 Monthly Social Security Benefit. And uh, I'm sure that kind of piqued a lot of people's interest because, you know, I get this sense that some people think that there's some secret method, some secret handshake, or you got to know somebody to get the highest social security benefit. But Tom, what, what's your take on a, on a story like that? Are there some secret methods for getting the biggest social security benefit? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, there, uh, the, uh, and that particular story kind of almost ticked me off in a way. I mean, this was a big national organization and uh, publication, the USA Today. And frankly, I thought they were being a bit disingenuous because the way you get a maximum $4,550 social security check is you spend your entire career earning the maximum taxable wage uh, for, uh, for social security purposes. In other words, for thir- at least 35 years, you got to pay the maximum amount into social security. And then you got to wait till 70 to claim those benefits. Uh, and the, 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 the reason that story was a bit disingenuous is because most people reading that story were probably in their 50s or pushing uh, 60 or something. Well, there's no way in the world they can go back and change their earnings history. So there's no way in the world they're going to they're going to get the maximum Social Security benefit if they haven't been paying the maximum amount into Social Security. The bottom line is there's no secrets. The more you pay in, the more you get out. And and even though there aren't any secrets, there certainly are lots of rules that people don't understand. And there's ways they can and that they're not secret rules they're readily available from from me from you guys on the internet from the social security administration so what a person's got to do of course is make themselves familiar with these rules as they're pushing social security age and and then just make the right decisions that makes a great deal of sense and um, i'm sure there are times when people have to be sure that they are you know uh understanding at least the basics of social security, right? So they can ask the correct questions when they are on the phone or visiting um, a social security office. So understanding the basics, does social security put out any types of booklets to help understand the basics? Oh yeah. As you guys mentioned at the beginning of the, of our show here, uh, 
I used to be the editor of these uh, publications. And back then, I don't know what the story is today, but back then we had like a hundred different publications. Uh, you know, Social Security is a huge program with uh, disability benefits, retirement benefits, benefits for children, benefits for widows. And, and so we had publications for all those people. And those, uh, you can go to the Social Security website and down at the bottom of the homepage, it says publications and just click on that. And you can find anything you want about Social Security. Well, Tom, you know, let me ask, you know, you've been doing uh, articles and writing on this topic of Social Security for many, many years. What are some of the top, uh, give me the top three questions that you get from readers? Well, uh, there, there's kind of two basic kind of questions I get of uh, the sort of political financial kind of questions and then practical questions. On the financial side of Social Security, of course, people are always asking, will it be there when I need it? Is the program going to be reformed? So that's a key question I get from uh, from people on that side of the issue. On the practical side, they're always asking me, you know, how, how, thing, uh, how is my benefit figured? When should I take my benefits? That's a very common question. Uh, and, and also a lot of questions about spouses. Uh, should a spouse take benefits or can a spouse take benefits early and then switch to uh, the other spouse's benefit later on. So s benefits about spouses is a very common issue. Yeah. So those are three great questions, Tom. And I think uh, because there's probably going to go into a lot of depth, we're going to, we're probably going to go into a part two interview to cover a lot of those questions. So um, I appreciate you being on the show for the first part and we'll see you on part two. Thank you for joining today's conversation. To learn more about Tony and services offered through RBF Wealth Advisors, visit theretirementinsiders.com. We also encourage you to share the podcast and leave a review or rating if you enjoy the content. Till next time, be well. Please note, securities offered by registered representatives through private client services. Member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory products and services offered by investment advisory representatives through RBF Wealth Advisors, a registered investment advisor, private client services, and RBF Wealth Advisors are unaffiliated entities.